Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Let me fix my camera here. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick with you this morning. We've got a lot of earnings to discuss. We're going to talk about why it feels like there's been a lot of overnight reversals in the market of late. We also have jobless claims, initial jobless claims at 8.30. Can't forget about that. And our guest today is Frank Holmes. He is the CEO and CIO of U.S. Global Investors. He also runs the Jets ETF. That'll be at 8.35. Joel, give us a quick recap here on the overnight session. Oh, the bulls were busy last night. Uh, we had a weak close, but I was looking at the big tech stocks and they weren't weak. We had a little dip off that uh, 4.15 close, got to 28.23. Uh, that basically matched your lows from Tuesday turned around and then the bulls just started lifting offers we got ourselves back in the area of yesterday's high as well as tuesday's high we're up at 46 and a quarter handles 28.79.75 uh friday or the high for the week so far is 89.75 folks so only 10 points away from a major breakout to the upside Crude bouncing around, but all in all, it's up a buck eighty-seven at twenty-seven forty-eight. Gold in the green by ten ten dollars and ten cents at sixteen ninety-eight sixty. Silver going the same way, up eighteen point five cents at fifteen twenty. And Bitcoin trying to get another close over over nine thousand. The futures are up forty dollars at nine thousand three hundred and. 80 uh dennis we gotta talk about these late day sell-offs and then these overnight moves that's some big overnight moves um there was a good point um where was it on my twitter um pass okay so endless capital on twitter i just gave you a follow endless capital there too because you had this nice tweet the past three overnight sessions on es it's up 83 handles in that time es has only gained 42 handles so the regular hours have actually took us down 41 handles so it's interesting, like you feel like the last three days have been really bullish, but all, you know, n not even all of it, like more 83 handles has been overnight and a loss of 42 handles, however 41 handles has been in the regular session. So, I mean, if you're just trading intraday, it's actually the predominant tr trade from the last three days has been down. And if you saw yesterday, obviously we were down the majority of the day. We opened up at the highs and we just kept leaking, 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 leaking. The separation here is incredible too. So two, two parts to what I just wanted to say is you are seeing everybody buy tech. It's tech, tech, tech. That's what's held us up. Yesterday was real, really, you could see it because the QQQs were up and the IWM was down. So tech is what has been holding us up the whole time and tech is still leading the charge here. And it seems like every time some type of big tech stock dips, it's a buying opportunity. When these other stocks dip, it's a little bit of a different story. But what's your make? So let's go back to this overnight action because they're jamming it overnight. We know after 8 p.m. to, say, 4 a.m. when stocks are actually closed, you can't trade those unless you're TD Ameritrade and they're not going to get you know, much action there, too. You basically can't trade stocks between 8 p.m. and 4 a.m. Um, but we're jamming the ES up. You know, is this shenanigans happening? Why are we seeing such rallies here overnight and no follow through 
during the regular session. Uh, I just think, you know, alluding to what you said, right? Stocks close at uh, at eight o'clock, right? Yes, eight and, p.m. Yeah, Eastern. Yep, and and you know, also there's been a noticeable decrease in the uh, in the in the emitty volume overall, right? I don't know if it's because of exchange activity or we've just settled down, but there was a point where we were trading, you know, well over 3 million shares. So there's a little bit less liquidity, right? And if you watch that ladder uh, overnight, I mean, there's just not much there. So if you have, boom, stocks shut down at eight, so you don't have arms like you keeping things in line. I mean, if you have enough capital and a big enough account, you could just, lift and offers right and once things get going in one direction because you look at the rallies here and they're pretty steady you know it's yeah. not like i mean you do have a big bar that was probably that was around 315 uh after europe opens but you can and then so that you know that lifting offers creates other programs that are looking for a higher market they could care less where the stocks go right because I mean, yeah, the stocks are going to run to where the e-minis are exactly at they really are. And they know that the stocks, like people like me, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to buy stocks. You know, if I can buy the stocks cheaper than the many, um, I'm going to buy the stocks. So, and, and with stocks reopen, it's not like there's, you know, a lot of bids and offers at 4 a.m. There's nothing. Nope. So they just get pumped up to where the e-mini is. I mean, if you wanted to manipulate markets, and we're not saying these are being manipulated, but nope. if you were going to do it and manipulate the market overall, the time to do it would be at midnight because it is thin because there's nothing else really to hedge with. Um, like you said, we get the European open depending, you know, if it's a UK opens different, I believe an hour difference then. Um, but you know, two, two o'clock, three o'clock, three o'clock, two thirty, right in there, you get that opening. So then it starts to thicken up because you have other markets, but for the most part, yes, you know, Hong Kong's open, Japan's open, but, for the most part, it gets really thin after 8 p.m. And it's always been the case. That's why you see these big moves. I mean, I'm doing arbitrage. You know, there's a lot of people like me doing arbitrage until 8 p.m. Once the stocks are gone, done. I leave my desk. So liquidity dries up substantially after 8 p.m. because there's no stocks to arb with, no U.S. stocks to arb with, no ETFs to arb with. They're all closed. So that's when you see the big moves. And that's why you see a lot of big moves. It's just the natural, you know, there's going to be more price impact. If somebody's even, maybe this is an institution that wants to buy, buy E-mini, they're going to move price a lot more to get the orders done during that time. So if you're a big institution, you're listening, you're trying to, you know, get a price at midnight. I mean, it's trickier. It's thin. I mean, more majority of us, you know, traders are sleeping. It's thin then. Um, and also, and, and we're not, and I really want to be uh, specific on this. We're not talking about like one group or one person. I mean, you know, what if, you know, it's definitely, it takes a group, right? So it's a group of big players that are doing this. It's not, you know, it's very hard, to, you know, big, yeah. So it's, and it's just, I think people that are running systems overnight, I mean, they're just keying off price and, and volume. So your systems are running overnight at, I don't know if you had too many that were just, you know, short in every pop here uh, overnight. So I think it's just, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a phenomenon. We've seen it both ways. We go to our S&P spy argument, you know, this kind of uh, plays into that because yeah. the spy such that I think eventually 
the spies are going to be 24 hours, Dennis. I know. Oh, you I don't think want, so too. I don't want you. I know you don't want to hear I that. I want to sleep. <laughs> I, I think so too, Joel. I think eventually, you know, and I know people are going to say, oh, we see the TD Ameritrade commercial and it's 24 hour trading already. That's not really true though, because the exchanges are actually closed. This TD Ameritrade market maker is just making a market if you really want to get in and out. And I'm sure if you've got the E-mini <laughs> here, so you, let's say you got the E-mini trading and look at my hands right here. They'll make a spy market for you out here. So if you lift their spy offer, they're just going to hedge with the mini. That's what the market maker is going to do. But I'm assuming the volumes are probably very light on that. And they're only making it on the ones that they know they can hedge out with the mini. They're not going to do it. On there's only companies. there's only a handful of ETFs that are available. Obviously, yeah. because yeah, yeah. you you have to be able. I would do it. I mean, I would do it. You know, why not? Why wouldn't you do that if you were those market makers? And you know, if your market is here. I'll make the market out here. And then all of a sudden, if I get filled on this offer, I can just lift right here and I make that little spread. That's how it works. So if That's you're wondering hard. how they're doing it, like I, I'm not in and I'm just imagining how they're doing it, but it's, it's common sense. If you're a market maker, you can figure out how the market makers are doing it. They're, every time you would lift an offer in, in a platform like that, they're going to argue. So it, it's it's going to be wider than and it, and that's the way you know that's the way banks have worked for years. I mean you just think about everything you know they make it on the spread. You do a currency transaction in your bank. Well, the currency's trading here. They'll make you a market here, and they make it the little spread on you. That's how it works. All right, let's. Uh, we got a big earnings parade here, right? Yeah, we got a huge earnings parade, and we got some big names, like widely followed names, widely retail followed names. And do you want to start? With uh, your stock there, Joel, because it's not my stock and not anymore. It's your stock. Oh, uh, when did you sell it? I did not want to take it through the print. Okay. Yeah. And that's the reason you bought it. No, I bought it because I thought it would have a run-up into the print. Remember? Okay. Rewind yep. the tape. The stock has <laughs> right. a Peloton. We're talking Peloton. And I bought the stock about a week and a half ago. And it kind of just meandered around. I paid in the 31s. And it just kind of hung out there for about a week and a half. But I said it on the show. I said, I think it's going to have a pre-earnings run. And I think that they could potentially blow the numbers away. I said that too. And I was torn. I kind of wanted to take it through the print. I kind of didn't. So here's what I did. The stock closed the previous day. Where was the previous day's close? 30, just grab it there. 36, 36.22. I threw my order out 5%. I said, if it runs another 5% of the print, I'm going to sell it. And I left my desk. Obviously, got executed. I came back. It closed actually almost right exactly where I uh, sold, it. Where I sold yeah. it. So I sold it. Um, obviously, seller's remorse. You know, here it is up 18%. I'm not participating in that whatsoever. Uh, and I thought the company was going to beat, but I also thought it had run up pretty good. So I was scared of the whole price to perfection aspect of it. We saw Shopify have really good numbers too. And that actually, it eventually came back that day, but it sold off a little bit on it. And I thought, you know, maybe it's going to sell off a little bit on it too. What I didn't account for and is how much they would pump this on CNBC, how much they would talk, not, not like a pump and dump, just like how much they would talk about it. And it was talked about all night by major traders. And it started right away with Josh Brown. So after the print, Peloton was chopping around. It started to leak. So after they had earnings last night, give us the earnings, Spencer. And then I'll, sorry, yeah, I mean, it that. sounds like you just need to listen to our, our afternoon show, Dennis, because I was I was on the you bull train. You were talking train. it too. Yeah, I, I was talking it up, and and I, I everybody am, talking it up. I, I am participating here. I'm like you. Uh, <laughs> Good so. job, Mister Israel. You know what? This is scary. This is something that all three of us. Uh, <laughs> this may be a first. It was a fun one. I I did not want to take it through the print. 
I, I obviously should have. But you know what? I don't mind. I you made twenty five percent on it or something in a week and a half. It was a good trade. I didn't want to see my gains go away if for whatever reason that they sold it on good news. We saw some companies get sold on good you news. You never know. You don't okay. know. You're right. You don't know. All right. So the so the numbers. Uh the EPS, whatever that's worth, it came in Low estimates, twenty cent loss versus an eighteen cent loss estimate. Sales very good, five hundred twenty-four versus four hundred eighty-five million dollars. They also gave guidance. They gave uh, fiscal year sales guidance above the estimate. They talked about their subscriber growth, connected fitness subscribers up ninety-four percent on a year-over-year basis. Paid digital subs up sixty-four percent. Uh, total members grew to over two point six million uh, between those num- those growth numbers. And the uh, the guidance above uh, yeah. estimates, it was a good report. Plus, then, as you mentioned, the uh, the hype machine is in full play. The hype is what really has been driving this after hours. So, um, again, uh, we, we, we anticipated, we talked about this, that they were going to have really good numbers. I mean, you just see everybody, you know, sticking in their home. It, it made sense. It made sense to buy the stock at 25, 28, 30. It was good buy on the pullback. So the, again, you know, maybe the scalper in me, the trader in me, I don't like taking trades through numbers. This was a trade for me. It wasn't a long-term investment. People said, oh, this was in your long-term portfolio. This was designated trade the whole time for me. It's got a $12 billion or $13 billion market cap. I'm not investing in a bike company that's got a $13 billion market cap. So you keep calling it a bike company, but you don't don't look into it, you don't have it, and you don't use it to work out. It's more than that. I'm I'm not saying that there's not any barriers to entry, but it's more than just- There's no barriers to entry. Right. Let's give a perspective. You, You know what the market cap of Planet Fitness is? Which has gyms all around North America? Uh, and, and, and you can argue that Peloton's going to be bigger. And maybe, you know, with COVID, it's going to change things. It changes the dynamic. I'm not talking Peloton down here right now, too. Okay. I'm saying this is why it's not going in my long-term portfolio. Because I think five years from now, I think Peloton is still a bubble. I think it's not worth $13 billion. It's a lot of money. That, there's not a lot of retail companies that are worth $13 billion. Planet okay. Fitness market cap is $5 billion. So you're saying this Peloton that makes the bikes is worth two and a half times or at least you know over twice as much as planet fitness that might be the case if planet fitness goes under because of the covid covid changes everything and i love the peloton story for that reason what i did wrong was i did not anticipate the hype last night and this is what really drove it because believe it or not look at your after hours chart and bring it up they were selling this stock off on the number they were selling the stock off on the number. Bring it up. You'll see it in the first five minutes. This thing traded down to the 36 handle. Can you bring up that chart? Yeah, yep. one sec. I want to tell you how much the hype moves the stock. So right, bring up the up. after hours chart. They started yeah. to hit yeah, it. I'll, I'll even pull it went one, down I'll, to 36 even. Yeah, there it is. There's it went down. Minute. It was trading down in the 36 handle, down a buck and a half on these great numbers, and heavy offered at 37. Do you want to know what changed it? Do you want to know how this you thing blasted off? You told me. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I mean, Josh Brown on CNBC, and you know, it just shows. And, and I love Josh Brown. Love you, Josh Brown. You know, so I'm just saying how much influence CNBC comments have. Josh Brown says it, it was trading at 37, and he says, and he says, I don't have a position in this. He says, I wish I owned it. He's like, I'm kicking myself for not owning this. He says, I would buy it at 40 right now. He said that. 
the stock went up three points in a that. minute. Yep. Not joking. This the blast off on that candle. You see that blast off? That wasn't comments from the company. That was the commentary from Josh Brown. It uh, it blasted off on those comments like no tomorrow. When he said that, I was trying to buy it because I knew it was going <laughs> to blast off too. But the algos were all over it. The algos are listening. There's some really good algos out there. They are like on it in like one second. And they lifted the 37, 38, 39. It kissed all the way up to 40, like a minute after he said it. So uh, uh, unbelievable how much it moved. Then it sat there and kind of hung out between 40 and 41 until Fast Money came on. And they were asking the Fast Money commentators. And Guy Adami <laughs> said he was, he was so bullish this stock. And I think it was somebody else. It was two Fast Money commentators. I watched it go from 41 to 42 and a half in the next minute. And then Jim Cramer came on uh, and, the, and closed his money piece with it and basically gave it another like, you know, how good Peloton's doing. And it blasted off again. Wow. So it had three blast offs, all from CNBC commentary. It's un, but, but it's a retail stock. It's widely followed by a lot of retail traders. So they're going to be jumping in on this. So when you get a retail stock, that gets that much positive commentary from CNBC, Can't it fight affects it. the price substantially. So love Josh Brown. And you know what? I agree with what Josh Brown was saying. I wish I would have bought it at 42. I wish I would have bought it. At th- I tried <laughs> to lift 37. When he said that, I clicked buy. I was at 36 and a half. I clicked to buy 37 or 37 and a half. I Fine. was trying to buy it. Gone. The algos were just all over Josh Brown's car. Somebody was really fast. Really, really fast. And if anybody human being got that, that's, um, you know, impressive because I was on it really fast too. Again, it, some of these times at CNBC, some people had 10 second delay, some are 11 second delay. We, we know it's too. a six second delay. We talked about these delays before. So maybe some algos that are only five or six seconds, they got a four second lead on you. I don't know that. But I, I know there is some that are down as, as low as six or seven seconds on the delay. So they got two, three second lead. It's going to go. So it's unbelievable, though, how my, I've never seen a stock rip like that on a CNBC comment. But as soon as he said, it, I would buy that right now at 40, it ripped. And it wasn't just me. Also, a market operative, great follow on, on Twitter. He tweeted it out, too. Same thing. Um, he was saying, um, I can read you his tweet. He saw it, too. It's not just my selective perception. I trade off CNBC. I know what moves stocks. And when you say something like that, it will move the stock. But if I just grab it, um, just as commentary from yesterday, yeah, Peloton sells off, he tweets, and then downtown Josh Brown, and uh, I just lost it. Just hang on. It's refreshing on me. It's okay. It's a slow computer that I got Twitter on over here, the same one. So anyways, I'm trying to grab the tweet for you. But regardless of the tweet, it was, it was the commentary from Josh Brown that really moved it. And Josh Brown wasn't pumping and dumping or anything. Like people say, oh, he's pumping and dumping. That's not the case. Not he didn't said he didn't even own the stock. He was just giving his opinion. He was just giving his opinion. And Guy Adami was just giving his opinion. They weren't doing anything wrong. They're not doing anything like – they're just giving their opinion. But their opinion is so influential when it's a widely followed retail stock like this one. Crazy move. And that you know, was you know all – it, it honestly could have been down today on those numbers if there wasn't so much CNBC positive commentary about it. And it's not only that. It's been hype probably. I'm not watching CNBC 24 hours. They're talking about it nonstop. You said you were even hyping. Like people, or it's a story. The story is intact. So fundamentals don't matter at all. You can say, oh, it's not worth this. It doesn't matter because the story is intact. I'm not shorting Peloton. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing's at 50. Today, I wouldn't even be surprised if it went to 50 because it's crazy. So, you know, when the, once the story and the hype is going, 
things can do crazy things. You cannot short stocks that have a kind of story like that because the hype will kill you. Uh, just talk about the short interest too, Dennis. Is there short interest? I don't know For- where the short interest is. What, what is it on it? I've never looked. I, I'm going to look right now because I don't actually know. Uh, whoa, it's probably pretty good. 44%. There you go. You squeeze the hell out of them too. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so there's so, so many reasons. I'm kicking myself. I sold the stock at 38 bucks before the print because I thought it had a pretty big move. And I was like, I don't want to get in a situation when they sell off a stock on good news that everything's already priced in a 25% move in three, four days. Huge. seems like a pretty big move. As a, and you have it on for a trade. You've designated trade. This money is in there for a trade. It's not in your long-term account. I, I don't typically hold trades through prints. So I, ta- I actually was willing to do it. I was willing to do it if it didn't have another big candle yesterday. But it did. I put the order 5% up. I said, if it runs another 5% of the print, I'm going to sell it. Threw the order out there and left. Got done in the afternoon. And obviously continue to uh, run up some sense. So congratulations you know what? to everybody who hold it, who held it, it. it. But you just, you really played your percentages, right? And if you, if that stock would have been down five bucks, which very well could have happened, then you'd be, yeah. So yeah, don't worry about it. I mean, no, see, I'm that's not. What... I, I, great point. And this is one thing. This is bothering me zero because you know what? You've got to, if you're always looking at your trades and saying, oh, and I should I, everybody does it. But if you're always looking at your trades and saying, man, you know, why did I sell that? I do it. Everybody does it. But if you focus just on, you know, what you're doing wrong or just, you know, how much money you're leaving on the table, that can affect your mindset on the next trade. Take your money, move on to the next trade, learn from it. What I learned from this was hype, a hyped stock will hype go stock. for a long ways. PayPal, same story last night. Let's PayPal do PayPal. Let's, yeah. Let's do it. Give us the earnings. Well, wait, can I just give, uh, for uh, Peloton here, I'll just give you your pre-market high at 46.01. And uh, I'm just going to stick with my, um, my what I said about Beyond Meat. And I said, I thought I saw a seller at 112.80. If it took that out, you know, 116, boom, boom, boom. Same thing here. Your pre-market high is forty-six oh one, and then just the last thing is, you know, what about the people that they were, or the the algos that weren't short, they weren't long, they get the uh, Josh Brown comment, they're just buying, like they don't they don't care about next quarter, they don't care about oh, the next yeah. five minutes. They I was can't... trying to buy. I don't have yeah. a I don't have a sophisticated news algo to actually listen to commentary and be able to buy on that. I'm telling yes. you, there's a few people that do. There's a few people, that's an impressive, impressive algo. If it can hear and trade off of it, that's very impressive. But it went so fast that I almost feel like maybe it's just a really fast trader. Maybe I'm 43 years old. Maybe there's some young buck (laughs) that's 23 years old. Maybe he's got the C or she's got the CNBC feed that's six second delayed. And I'm on the 11 second or 10 second delay. I I know it's different because at my cottage, I'm like only seven seconds delayed for whatever reason. And on, uh, at my house here, I'm 11 seconds delayed on my CNBC. So there is a difference, and you can get it lower. I'm sure there's some people. Some people have said they're as little as five-second delayed on their CNBC. There's always going to be delay because they have to do it for the swearing. So they're never going to be in real time. There's like a, a delay put into what they're pumping out. But it all depends. I mean, if you're on, you know, we can talk about latency. But if you're on satellite feed, the signal's got to go up to the sky and come back down. And they got to descramble up there and come back down. It takes longer. You're on cable is always going to be faster. If you're on digital cable, if you're on like a box, 
it's going to be delayed because again they're descrambling and they're doing stuff with the signal it's not coming right there through i went on like i switched over to this um you know talking latency when go on the side but i switched over to it was going to save me money i was switching to this box at my cottage i was like a seven second delay on my cnbc on direct cable digital cable and then i switched to this box i said oh it's going to save you 20 bucks a month i was like sure they came and they installed it my delay was 30 seconds on my cnbc and i told them at that point i was like no you're taking this back out i'm like this is no good for me i can't be 30 seconds delayed on my cnbc it's 20 it's ridiculous so, um, you know, I went and I, I called and, you know, I had to find the other, and, and then somebody gave me the reason. They said, the way it is, it's these scrambling. It was through Bell. And I was like, or Rogers, it was through Rogers. And I was like, oh, this is no good. So anyways, they were decent enough that they actually put me back to the digital cable. They said they can't do it. I was like, oh no, you got to put me back on the digital cable. Like they were going to take my digital cable box away. I wouldn't let them take it away. So, because they said, once you switched over this box, they were trying to get people off digital cable. I was like, no, no. I'm going to go back on digital cable because I cannot be delayed 30 seconds. I mean, you might as well just shut CNBC off and forget about it altogether. You're going to trade off CNBC at all. I mean, 30 second delay is an eternity. So, and you know, and there's some, it's not a lot of trades off CNBC, but I'm saying on a, something like a Peloton that, that moved it, that moved the stock. All right. PayPal. PayPal, similar thing. Uh, good report story stock. The, uh, actually, this is a really good report here. The adjusted EPS 83 cents versus a 76 cent estimate sales of 4.62, uh, versus 4.75 billion. So slight salesman, but a big earnings beat. They withdrew their guidance for the fiscal year, but they did give uh, EPS guidance for the current quarter and they see Q2 EPS growth at 15 to 20%. So quarterly guidance, no guidance for the year, and a very nice bottom line B, which you don't see too many of these days uh, for PayPal. Stock dips, but it is a fintech company, and anything tech, they just want to buy it. Anything tech. So it dips last night, and they turned around, and they just started ripping it. It had a significant dip last night. This kissed down almost 120, did it not, Joel? Ah, let me take a look. Yeah, it did. It almost got to 120. It got uh, 120.05. So your whole number of people are out there. It was trading down a bit too. And there was a lot of positive commentary on PayPal last night too, which probably helped it out. Not like Peloton. Like everybody was really pumping the tires of Peloton. But it, I don't know what was said on the conference call, but it started to really rip, I believe, slightly after that. So I wasn't listening to it, so I can't you know, say exactly what was being said. But all I can tell is, um, you know, often you see these big moves and then you see, you know, another move afterwards. It's usually the conference call. So I'm not sure what was said on the conference call, but stock really started ripping up. And obviously it's continued to rip right to all-time highs. So here's a company that's got a story. Story is completely intact. Um, and, you know, people are buying stuff online and it's a way that you, you know, process payments online. So this is the kind of story that the market likes right now. And so it's not surprising they bought the dip in PayPal and they're ripping it higher here this morning. CNBC was uh, just had the CEO on there and I ripped another dollar and a half on that. So the story intact. A little bit easier here, blasting a new all-time high. Uh, We are trading at the highs of the session up uh, $13.04, 141.50. So just keep an eye, see where they take this to in the pre-market. Uh, use that as a potential target, but you're really in no man's land here. So really hard to give you any specific level except for that, whatever that pre-market high turns out to be. And this is also, this is like the e-commerce play, right? This is like the pure e-commerce play. So uh, that's obviously 
the only reason that uh, retail uh, companies can make money right now, more or less, because their stores are closed. So uh, the CEO talked about this being like a tipping point for, for e-commerce and for digital payments. So yeah, I mean, a lot of bullish commentary here and, and the hype machine isn't is in full effect. We are about a minute away from the uh, latest initial jobless claims data. Uh, so keep that in mind, Dennis. The estimate is for another 3 million Americans to have filed for unemployment benefits last week. That would bring the uh, trailing seven week total to about 33, a little over 33 million people, which is just ridiculous. Uh, so it's good to see the number uh, declining on a weekly. It's, it's been declining for, for the past few weeks, but still three, 3 million people is a lot. Uh, that number's coming here in under a minute. So keep that on your All mind. right. I mean, we know it's gonna be bad, but we know it doesn't matter. Uh, pre-market high, 81.50. We, we got some good numbers above here, folks. And if the bulls really want to do, uh, really want to put the hurt to the bears, what they're going to do is they're going to take it through 29 to 89.75. That was your high on Tuesday, uh, that psychological $2,900 level. Last Thursday's close, 29.02.50. Never really got a good look at that because, uh, you had the, uh, Amazon getting hit in the after hours on Thursday, and uh, we opened much lower. But really, we're, we're really back in the area of, um, of Friday's uh, um, high, interday high in the highs. But 89.75, that's the top number in my sheet here. I uh, wasn't anticipating this big of a rally this morning, but that's where it is. At 28.89.75, we'll see what they come out here with uh, the jobless claims. Uh, does, I, don't, I don't see any movement. There it is. It just uh, came. I just saw it. Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. There. So so 3.1 million last week, which is a little bit above the estimate of 3 million. Uh, so, so yeah, not much movement. Uh, that I'll just read you off the, 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 the readings from the past few weeks. So the first week that this chaos really started March 21st, we had 3.3 million. We went up to as high as 6.8 million and has since declined to 6.6 million, 5.2 million, uh, 4.4 million, 3.8 million last week, and now 3.1 million this week. So we're slowly coming back down to earth here, but that, that does bring the seven week total now to, to over 33 million people, which is just ridiculous. Nothing. It, it, it's a non-factor. Non, yeah. Non-factor. I mean, there, we've accepted the fact that a lot of people are losing their jobs. Think about the, the, the stuff that this market has just accepted now. We're accepting that 2,000 people are dying a day. We're fine. The market is fine with that. They're, they're fine with, you know, millions of people losing their jobs. I mean, you know, like a, like a crazy amount. We're fine with historic unemployment rates being as high as they've been since the Great Depression. This market is just fine with everything. And I can't, you can't logically trade this market. You have to take, if you start thinking logically, you will sell everything in your long-term portfolio because we're in a lockdown. We've talked about this, you know, and nothing makes sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You know, that, you know, we're sitting right where we were six months ago on SPY. And if you go at the chart, you can look at it and you can see what I'm talking about. Back in October, we were right here at 284 SPY. And now here we are in May when the world's in shutdown. We've got a deadly virus out there. And, you know, we're at the same spot we were. And it's just the fact that people are scared to not be in stocks. And they think the Fed will defend this market no matter what. So they think they have the Fed put. They think if the market goes down, the Fed's just going to come in and defend the market and it's going to drive it right back up. And, you know, how can I argue with that? 
I, I'm not arguing with it. I mean, I have a lot of cash because I, I don't like the overall scenario we're in. But at the same time, I still have a lot of stocks too. And I, I don't see how you can fight the Fed and fight this market at this point in time. I think there's issues coming. I don't think we're out of the woods. And that's why I'm not going all in. And that's why I'm still whatever, 60% or 65% cash in my long-term portfolio. I'm always like, you know, like I said, I'm always 30% cash. I went through the financial crowd. I never go 100% investment again. Not, not in, in stocks and, you know, and even, and the preferred stocks, I've sold most of those because I just think there's too much risk of beginning four or 5% on a preferred right now. So, you know, you can look at the PFF and you can say, oh yeah, you know, why not just throw it in the PFF and get 5.3% on your money? You know why? Because I saw what it did in March and we're not out of the woods on a financial crisis. Don't kid yourself. It could happen. I'm not saying it's gonna, but I'm not taking a risk and trying to make 5% of my money and then risking a financial crisis and watching my money collapse. So my preferred portfolio is sitting in cash. That's where a lot of my cash is right now. The stocks now, I've been doing the allocation and adjusting. I'm buying tech. On pullback, I buy tech. Tech was so strong yesterday. If you so looked strong. at if you looked at it, and that's why, you know, the close was the close and it was weak and everything. But I looked at the top five components of the S P five hundred. I combined the Googles. Google was in the red by just a little bit. But all these stocks were, you know, they got hit off earnings a little bit, but they were all, all above their earnings day. Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, and Dennis, that Amazon's at the 50% retracement of that move. So I talked to you about that yesterday. Yeah, we, I so sold keep, the trade portion of it. I okay. kept the long-term. It's, going, it's sticking to my long-term investment account for now. It's still, you know, I know the valuation makes me a little sick to my stomach, but again, I think Amazon's eventually a $3,000 stock because it's just consumer habits have changed enough that they're going to continue to buy Correct. a lot more stuff online. The convenience of it. My wife loves the convenience of it. People who hadn't been doing it and are doing it now are like, wow, this is so good. Consumer habits have just changed enough that it's just going to continue. To we get something Amazon. every day. We get every something day. To, every, we day. every day. Every day. Every day. Yep. Yep. I let the box. Do you let the box kind of sit there? I usually let the for box. For a couple sit days. There for, yep. Yeah. I let the box sit there. Let it, like Lafari said, let it bake in the sun there for a little bit on your doorstep and then throw it in the garage and let it sit over there in the corner for a day or two before I go ripping see, into it. See, that's funny because we were doing that and I've stopped caring at this point. <laughs> at a point. That's, you know what? That's, a, that's such a good point, though, Spencer. You it's do hard, stop caring to, at a certain point. It's now. hard to keep caring. It, it really. is. It is. It's a great point you're making oh, because it is hard to just keep up with it. I yeah. mean, it's sickening. You have to do this. And, you know, my wife took a picture of me getting the groceries yesterday. I got the gloves on. I got the mask on. Yeah. And I've, like, got a system here. And I put everything on the, on the garage yep. floor. And then I take what is in a box with my gloves that can come out. And I shake it out of the box. And if then that stuff can be touched. If it was, like, machine exactly, yeah. I can stuff that, touch that stuff. And then I do the Lysol wipe down of everything that you know has to be in the package. Then I take the fruit inside. If we, we don't get a lot of fresh fruit, but we have to get some fresh fruit. I, I, I wash it for like a long time in hot water. I, we, I tried the soapy water on it, but then somebody was saying that can make you sick, soapy hot water. So I think it's going overboard. So I use hot water. Don't have me over for dinner, man. You're, you're washing your fruit with soap? Is that what yeah, you're Yeah, I know. That's why. I did the first time, and I'm like, okay, this is getting a little bit ridiculous. Your kids ridiculous. eat bananas, and they're blowing bubbles. You're like, what the hell Well, bananas are okay, because they're not eating the skin, but when oh you're like God. doing like an app or a plum or something, or like something that's going to soak right. up with the grapes, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm and getting, soap water, it's kind of I'm, I'm getting us all the raspberries and soap 
water. It's kind of all sad. Right. Let's all right. bring Frank on. Let's please. get Frank on, please. Frank Holmes is the CEO and CIO of U.S. Global Investors, runs the Go Gold ETF and the Jets ETF. Frank, good morning. I hope you don't wash your fruit with soap. No. <laughs> but, we spray. but we do spray, you know, alcohol diluted uh, on all bags that come to the front door. And, and leave them there. And we're fortunate. We're in sunny San Antonio, so Texas, and so it's hot, and things dry quickly, and then we bring them in. All right. That's Everybody's got their system for this Every, new world. <laughs> everyone's got a system, right? Uh, all right. So, Frank, uh, let's talk airlines here. We had you on a, uh, maybe like a month or so ago, and uh, a lot has happened since then. We've seen uh, some recoveries, but not in the airlines. So uh, kind of Talk to us about where the industry is right now, and and I mean, in, in the wake of Buffett selling, uh, there's there's, you guys say negative sentiment is at all, an all time high. Absolutely, and and, and what's you know really shocked me in a positive way is that over a half a billion dollars went into that ETF after it fell. So so Jets, uh, it was a you know fifty million dollar. Uh, ETF and it's a smart beta. It recalibrates every quarter and looks for the highest cash flow returns on invested capital, both domestically and foreign. And it's overweight to the four big uh, airlines, the Southwest, United, Delta, and American. But what to me was most interesting was that most of the money that came into that fund came after it fell. So investors uh, are waiting for uh, sort of, is it going to be a U-shaped bottom or a V-shaped bottom? And I think it, uh, it, we're getting positive news that, you know, states are starting to open up. Uh, we're at a, a small increase in TSA showing that they're screening more people. And that's going to be the new indicator, like following the Dow Jones. You're going to follow how many people TSA is screening. And a year ago, it was 2 million. And now it's about 200,000. Um, and we're going to have to get that rising so a third of all travel was business, and you're seeing Southwest all of a sudden really start focusing on the business travel, cleaner jets, uh, distancing between everyone. So I think it's just going to be a gradual process, but nothing like what we had after 9-11, how those long lineups of four hours and the screening process being so difficult. I think there's a lots of focus on how can they fast track because airline travel is so significant to economic growth. We're on the line with Frank Holmes. He joins us. He is the uh, creator of the Jets ETF. Frank, let me give you a different perspective on this. All right, I was talking with a good buddy of mine. He, he follows markets, not, not as closely as, as you or I do, but he is 100% convinced that what's going to come out of this pandemic is that the airlines are going to be nationalized that they were run so poorly going into this and so inefficient, and we do need air travel, that really the only way out of this is for the nationalization of the airlines. How would you argue against that? Well, I think he's way off. How come? I think that, why? Because, because the returns on invested capital. We know Warren Buffett, when I first launched this five years ago, people said, oh, Buffett doesn't like the airlines because of bad experience with U.S. Air. And they said, no, it's going to change. There's a boat around this industry, and they were able to throw off incredible cash flow returns on invested capital. Uh, if you look at uh, 10 years ago, the, the ancillary fees were $5 billion globally. They hit $100 billion. 
And that basically offset high energy prices. Uh, if you take a look at the amount of money they spend on baggage, they used to lose billions of dollars on baggage. They implemented so much, so phenomenal software that the cost of lost baggage dropped to something like 92%. Uh, and, and they had the free cash flow to buy back their stock and increase their dividend. Uh, so I, I, I just really find that difficult to grasp when you just look at the metrics that they were, how they were running that business. I mean, they're not going to be able to have, I mean, you know, I don't know what they're going to do as far as social. They're not going to be able to have as many people on planes. I think, you know, besides the nationalization, and, and this is why I can't touch a stock like Boeing, I, th I don't think you're going to have these super big planes anymore. I, I think it's going to be a big shift to smaller planes, less people on it, more room. I just look at like how, you know, of course they can't prepare for a pandemic like this, but I look at the efficiency rates that they're running at now. Okay. And who knows when we're coming out of this? I think that even when people come out of this, they are not there. The first thing these unemployed people do is not going to be hopping on an airplane. So I'm not all for the government, you know, taking over things, but I just think that over the years, you know, that the, the airline, I know you've talked about some of the efficiencies, but they have a lot of inefficiencies too. So, um, what about I, just my... Frank? What what about you know? Forget about the nationalization arguments. Should some of these companies maybe join, like maybe you know, join Merge. forces here? Is there is there a possibility there where we could get you know, obviously um, you know, some synergies in that way, like looking at the synergies from a potential merger between companies? Well, you, you can take a look at the the most efficient and uh, companies been Southwest Airlines, but yeah. they're predominantly just domestic. Yeah. Uh, whereas United America and Delta. Um, they, they are, they have a big part of their profits come from overseas travel, uh, and in particular the business class, the business traveler is, is, you know, a third of all travel for Southwest airlines business, but it's more like 60 or 70% of all profits, uh, for them. So if you, if you really, you know, you're, this guy's betting that the economy is going to be a disaster. So, you know, it's, it's, I don't bet on that. I bet on American ingenuity. And I think what you saw after the, the lessons came from 9-11 and then 2008, that there wasn't a fast enough thought process of how do we resolve flying because one in 15 jobs are associated with flying. It's a huge economic boom uh, to get people flying again for the hotel business. So you, you take a look at the multiplying effect of the airline industry. Yeah. I think that Washington understands that they have to get behind it. And I think it will happen. I think it'll be much faster than when TSA first started. It took a decade before those lines. Remember, they were screening little old ladies in wheelchairs yeah. like they were uh, uh, terrorists and, and infants. And, uh, and all of a sudden now you can get through those lines in 15 minutes uh, and pre-check, et cetera. So I think they'll, they'll resolve it. But the nice part is there's a real effort every day in the newspaper talking about what they have to do to get – people flying again very different than 2008-9 but but frank uh if it seems like there's they're, they're gonna have to uh at least for the time being function when we do come back with less capacity with i don't know 50 percent capacity 60 percent capacity how can the airlines be profitable running at, at with the planes that empty i they will find a, a way for this. So let's give you another classic example for flying, the cost of cargo. Uh, we have gold funds and we track the price of gold. 
the price of, uh, uh, you want a gold bullion, you wanted a coin, not a futures market or a GLD. It was $100 an ounce, went to 135 premium. Why? Because a lot of gold, physical gold, moved between London and New York in, uh, in BA or American Airlines in their cargo. All of a sudden, those flights aren't taking place. Private jet went from 30000 to 300000 That got tacked on to physical gold prices. So the, the supply lines are also disrupted for cargo delivery. And, and so they, they, that's why I come back to the significance of, of the airline industry for so many components of, of business uh, is very critical. And I see a complete different uh, interest in, in reigniting that. So clean air, they're going to take temperatures of you. They're going to be able to zap you uh, with an infrared to say, you know, you got a temperature, you can't fly. Uh, are they going to refund your ticket? Are they going to refund your ticket? Refund your ticket? Your ticket? Yeah, if, if you're sick. Pardon me? If you're sick, yeah, you'll, they'll refund it. There, there'll be too much of a complaint for them not to do that. Uh, and all you have to do is have Southwest say, we'll refund it. Uh, but I, I think you're going to see that going on. Uh, they're going to make changes much more rapidly uh, than they've ever done before. We're not going to wait 10 years. Uh, I figure the max is going to be about 10 months that they're going to do everything. Because I just, when you read all the articles of what's taking place in Washington, lobbyist groups, et cetera, making the airplanes cleaner, uh, that's already in motion. Um, there's new uh, infrared lighting uh, that I know in San Antonio is an invention of robotics, can clean hospitals and kill every virus. Uh, you're going to get new technologies going to be able to uh, be implemented in this system like never before. Frank, one tailwind. So one tailwind, lower cost of oil, the, the low cost of fuel here. It's got, that is one benefit that, you know, obviously investors aren't considering whatsoever as they sell the airlines down, you know, to lows here. Um, what are your thoughts here on, you know, if oil stays down for a prolonged period of time, this does benefit the airline industry. Huge. It's just, it's, it's, it was the biggest cost and it dropped the second biggest cost. And, uh, and I think coming back to the idea of capacity, uh, there's lots of great photos uh, from bloggers of all these, by the way, airplanes that are on uh, stranded airports, like lined up. So they'll just drop the number of paths. You'll just have less flights, and and uh, they'll find a way to, to price these things because they're using so much artificial intelligence from baggage to people movement, et cetera. So I think we're going to be a lot safer. But let's look at the data. People get dying. It, it's really simple math. Uh, the median age is 82 years old. Uh, the median age for catching this virus is 55. Uh, 65% of the people that died in Pennsylvania are at old age homes. Right. Uh, so the idea of profiling and protecting those people, and maybe they don't fly for a while. Maybe they just can't fly. Maybe that's that way you, you're going to protect it as, as the rest of society tries to implement what's taking place in Sweden, that they're able to do business. Uh, we have, uh, I'm in the crypto mining business with high blockchain and we're mining in Sweden and it's a complete different business model. Uh, social distance is important, mass are important, but business is still going on. Uh, yeah. What Frank, uh, you just talked about, like if the people, um, are sick, they're not gonna, I mean, first of all, like flying on planes before this 
when that, when someone coughed, you were like, you were looking around, you're like, please cover their mouth. And now I can only imagine what that's going to be like uh, when we uh, start uh, flying a lot again. Uh, but my question is to you is, okay, so you go to the airport, you check your bag, you go in, you go into check-in, you're going on the plane and you have a slight temperature and they say you, well, you can't, you can't go on this flight. So are you going to have to delay the flight to get that person's bag off to, you know, so they can go back home? I mean, is it that really going to, I mean, how are they going to be able to manage something like that? Well, they do it now. Uh, they, they, so often if you're, if you don't, your baggage don't make on an exchange flight or they're on, they, they stop the plane. So it's, it's, I think they'll just fast track it. And the AI is just getting better and better. Okay. Uh, it, you know, the technology is really, to me, is remarkable. It, you know that this AI now can talk, can recognize you 80% of the time by the cadence of your footsteps. Now, it won't become really significant, just like uh, iPhone with facial recognition until it was 93% accurate. Um, but the AI is, is getting more and more accurate to find your bags, locate your bags, also locate via the temperature. That's going to go into a system. Uh, and tracking and where you were. Uh, so I see other countries in Asia where you need an app. If, 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 you, if you're ill or, or you've been quarantined, you have to have an app. You go outside and the app's going to, your phone's going to start ringing. All right, Frank, uh, uh, Frank, Frank, well, one more real quick. How long do you think will it take for the airlines, uh, if ever, to get back to where they were? as far as capacity and, and flying in, say, for in like December or, or before this crisis? How long will it take to get back there? I think it's going to take 18 months to get back to the 2 million people a day flying. I think we're going to get back to a million people flying by Christmas. All right. Frank Holmes is the uh, CEO and CIO of U.S. Global Investors, runs the Jets ETF, also the Go Gold ETF. Frank, as always, thanks for the time and be safe out there. Uh, same with you. Bye. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Frank. All right. Uh, can, you want to talk uh, Costco real fast? Uh, let's let's for, talk a lot of stocks. We got some catching yeah, up to Yeah, so first time since, I th- want to say what, July of 2009, I think around there, that Costco's monthly sales declined. Uh, their April sales fell, uh, fell 1.8% last month, but e-commerce sales were up 85% on a year-over-year basis. Um, I, this is me. We knew I'm, this. Yeah, well, this is me because I haven't been to Costco in two months. Yeah. No, so. neither have I. This is the same thing. I was going to Costco like crazy, stock up before yeah. all this stuff happened. We knew people were pre-buying and that obviously they're not going in. Oh, and now they've you know got so much restrictions. Like I know at our Costco, you got to stand six feet apart. They only let so many, like you were saying, only let so many people in the store at once. I mean, there's no doubt that the stores and the, phys- the sales in the physical stores are going to start to go down. So this is not like, whoa, what happened to Costco? I mean, this was going to happen. So not surprising, their e-commerce sales are going up a lot too. We never even bought anything on online on Costco. No, nope, me neither. Before. And my wife's doing it now. And they deliver. Yeah. I didn't even know that they, they'll, they'll deliver your stuff or something. I, that's at least what my wife tells me. I haven't, I haven't seen an actual Costco delivery here yet. But do they deliver in, in your I don't know. They do. It takes a little bit of time. Yeah, but well, that's what? what I'm wondering because she says, oh, they're going to deliver this. I was like, oh, great. And then, uh, but we haven't seen the bags yet, so I don't know the Costco stuff. So maybe it takes a week. I don't know. But um, but we knew this. Like everybody stocked up on their pantry, and now they're they're good for a little bit. I mean, that's so. 
people are going to go to Costco less. They're going to go everywhere a little bit less right now because they're scared of getting sick. I, I think you're just going to have a, a big change. Uh, you know, Lisa's been buying different stuff, uh, you know, um, you know, Costco, whatever the places we go to. But we got to notice like this local restaurant that's uh, that's closed down. Um, they hooked up with like a, a, a local farmer and they offered this uh, uh, fruit and vegetable like these boxes. For I don't even know how. I mean, incredibly cheap. So Lisa, I'll go check it out. She went over there and she picked up a box of, uh, of fruits and vegetables and carrots and onions and potatoes. They incredible. Made a carrot soup last night and it was cheap. I mean, so I think you know these farmers are. You know, there's a there's a generational change going on. People are not going to be going out to eat as much, and they're going to be you know using the resources that they have. And to, to make the best. And I tell you, it was some of the best vegetables. You know, what sometimes you go to the store, the fruit market, I'm sure you paid it a, a big discount. So I don't know, big generational change there. Everything, there, there is going to be consumer habits change. Which ones are sticky and which ones are going to go Correct. right back to the way we were in 18 months? I mean, that's the key to try to figure out if you're long-term investing here, what is sticky and what is not. I will tell you, um, you know, counter to what Frank was saying a little bit there. I think there's going to be less business travel in the future. For I think sure. that is sticky because one thing companies are realizing, holy crap, we can save a lot of money by using, you know, Zoom or Teams or, you know, or, or Cisco WebEx. We can save a lot of money by not flying across the country to, you know, do this deal. So I think you're going to see less business travel in the future. I don't think business travel is ever going to go back to where it was because companies have learned, man, this is huge savings. So much and people cheaper. like it better too, probably, that I don't have to go fly across the country. I mean, some, there's going to always be some business travel, but there's definitely some business travel that was happening that probably wasn't essential and some stuff that can get done through just a virtual meeting. So that that's, that's a sticky habit and that's concerning for the airlines there too but also good for companies like Zoom. Again, the Zoom story is intact. So, you know, if you want to talk Zoom, I mean, the stock's starting to show some life here again too. So, you know, it's up here again this morning. Um, it's starting to show some life. I, I, again, valuation will not allow me to put this into my investment portfolio, but as a trade, it I'm starts to look pretty attractive here again. So, because the story's intact. So I, I, I just think, um, you know, a lot of consumer habits are going to change some are going to be sticky and some are going to not. Maybe in two years, we're all going to restaurants like we used to. That is possible. But I think there will be less people uh, traveling, uh, um, uh, less business travel, just because it saves companies a lot of money. Yeah. All right. Uh, can we go to Twilio here? Speaking of tech, oh, uh, high macro. flying. Yeah. Let's do Twilio. They reported earnings after the close yesterday, and they were really, really good. Yeah. EPS, they made six cents. The estimate was for an 11 cent loss, sales of 364 versus 331 a million dollars. So a, a very nice beat and a beat for Twilio in the first quarter. They also gave Q2 EPS guidance and sales guidance, both of which came in above the estimate. They reported over 190,000 active customer accounts, which is up 13 percent. 13% on a year over year basis. So uh, a beat and a beat on their earnings, a beat and a beat on the guidance. I mean, <laughs> tech. It's incredible. Cloud is hot. Tech is hot. This stock has doubled in the last six weeks. Doubled. Huge company. $68 we were back on March 20, March the 16th at the low. Now $152 we've more than doubled. 
if you're sticking this in your investment portfolio now, you're doing it backwards. Again, these things, I'm not shorting it. It's making a new all-time high. We'll never short a stock making a new all-time high because it continue to rip your face off. But holy mackerel, everybody is just FOMO in tech like crazy right now. I mean, Square is trading up on its earnings report. That was an epic disaster of a report. Square was a disaster. You know what, though? It's fintech. It's got tech. It's got a story. And people are buying it. Those Square numbers, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, were not good. The stock was down $5 last night. Deservedly so. Doesn't matter. It's tech. We're going to buy the dip on every tech stock. That's the money manager's mentality right now. If a tech stock dips, I got to buy it because I need more exposure to tech. And Square dips last night. PayPal dips last night. Immediately, even Peloton dipped. And obviously, you know, the hype of the media really brought that one back. But dips are getting bought on anything that's got a story and anything that is tech right now. It is insanity. It feels like 1999 to a certain extent. Oh, come on. <laughs> No, no, not come on. It does. In tech right now, stocks are doubling in a week, in a two weeks, you know, like, like Shopify. To go from $300 to $733, the company's got a $80 billion market cap. It's got $2 billion in sales. Bigger than the Royal Bank of Canada now. I, 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 exactly. The biggest bank in Canada. I mean, this is, you know, stocks that are value are absolutely hated. Stocks that have a little bit of growth or a lot of growth in the case of Shopify, are loved. We are a little bit in 1999 in some stocks, not, not in the overall market. And 90% of stocks are in bear markets. But in these high growth tech names, it's buy at any cost, no consideration to valuation whatsoever. I've said, I think Shopify is going a thousand bucks because the story is going to carry it. The valuation makes no sense whatsoever. It doesn't matter. It's got a story and it's got growth and it is, it's online and it is hot. You got an online, you're going online, you got online sales like W, Wayfair, doesn't matter, you're selling furniture, you're online, we're gonna buy the hell out of you. It we're is online. like 1999 on certain stocks. <laughs> uh, pre, we, you had a, a monthly all-time high of 151. You took that out, you went to 158, I believe. So I use 158 as a target on the upside. You fell back five bucks from that. Not really, not much falling back. And then I guess if you're, you know, if you want to protect some profits here, I think if it falls under that old double monthly top 150, you may get a little downside, but I, I don't think you get a whole lot because, you know, there are, believe it or not, people out here shorting it, trying to pick tops here at 57. Scary. And, and they're willing to buy it at 53. They, they could care less about all the people that are short. Their mark is 122.40. What's the short uh, interest on this one? Spence? I don't Do you have it? Know. Uh, let me let me track it real fast. I have to. I have to I'm trying to bring it up too. Yeah, it's like small, 14. small, small. It's it's it's, it's enough. It's it, you know what though, it's got a story going. It's hot. I don't want to be short any. I don't want to be short Shopify. The valuation makes zero sense. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Valuation does not matter. Write this down. Valuation matters zero when you've got a hot story. That's the best trading tip I could give you in my ten years on this show. If you've got a hot story, valuation matters zero, zero. So you get people like Citron that are short in Peloton because the valuation makes no sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. That story is hot as hell and the hype will carry it a long ways. Twilio story, still hot. You've got, and it just became hot. PayPal story, hot as hell. Shopify story, hot as hell. I will not short those stocks, even though the valuations make zero sense. I will not short those stocks 
because the story is just too hot. Story could cool off. When the story cools off, that's when you strike. You know, it starts to get like a backward and people are like, oh, they're concerned about growth. Stories are not cooling off on these stocks right now, though. The stories are heating up still. Square to be up is insanity. But you know what? I get it. I understand what's happening. Money manager. Well, what about, yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, I was going to say, what about Lyft here? Uh, Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. So I'll give you the numbers on Lyft. The uh, Q1 EPS, they lost a buck 31. They're only supposed to estimate to lose 64 cents per share last quarter. Sales beat 955 versus 897 million dollars. Uh, active riders up 3% year over year. They're also doing layoffs. That's from a couple of weeks ago where they're laying off about 17% uh, or, or furloughing 17% of the company. Uh, it seems like that uh, the end of March wasn't enough to really affect their quarter. There you go. That yeah. Much. We had two weeks. So it was under, you know, two weeks. So, so you had the first 10 weeks of the quarter with normal. And then you get the last two weeks and people are like, oh, Lyft isn't doing that bad. I better buy the hell out of the stock. You wait till the next quarter on Lyft. You're going to see an epic collapse in their numbers. Collapse. It has to. Nobody's riding in somebody's stranger's car right now. I would not buy the, the I would not be buying a stock like this. Lyft and Uber, and I know they've come back a long ways. This is not like, you know, the growth tech that is, you know, it, it's tech, it's kind of techy. Right? But this is, you know, also, you know, just something that is, I believe in ground zero for this stuff. So I'm going to say the opposite. On Lyft, I would sell that stock. If I owned it, I, know, I, I would know. get the hell out of it. Because I, it's yeah. going to, it's going to come to roost on Lyft and Uber. And this is just my opinion, you know, so, you know, but this is my opinion at $30 here. I think Lyft is a screaming sell. And I think the next quarter is going to be a disaster, an epic disaster. You got to ride in some stranger's car. car? Yeah. I, I, so, so this is a gift. It was at $15. It's doubled since March. This is a gift, a gift to the longs. Uber, same story. Gift to the longs. The stock was $14 or $13. Where the hell was it? I can't even know. 14, 13, 71. And, back on and the Uber, Uber reports. Bucks. And we, we get Uber today. They'll be fine. Those numbers are going to be okay for the quarter. They had 10 weeks of normal. And then it was just a couple weeks, you know, where it's gone. It's, you know, so they're, they're going to be fine. These businesses were fine before COVID. But consumer habits are going to be in the gutter for a while. Like Frank Holmes said, 18 months in the airlines. I think you're 18 months on the ride sharing, car, uh, uh, ride sharing companies there. Too. They were hurting. They were, the trend was not good going into this. Uber they, Eats helps. Yep, yep. Uber Eats is part of the business that does help. Lyft doesn't do that, though, do they? No. They should be. Lyft no, Eats. No, does, no. Lyft, does Lyft have that? No. I, Uber I don't Eats think helps so. a bit. The people are saying Uber Eats. That helps a little bit. But again, you know, to just go and say, I'm going to ride in some stranger's car, eh, I don't know about that. <laughs> so I think I think the next quarter for Lyft will be an epic disaster. Again, that's a long ways away, so I'm not going to go short it right now. But I'm not going to stick around long enough. To, you know, if I was long this stock, I'd be ringing the register and, and thanking, you know, that I got a lot of my money back or potentially maybe you're setting up a lot of money. It could go. They could keep running. We've got, you know, still, you know, the economy's opening. There's a case here, so I don't want to go short this thing right now. So I'm not saying short lift here today at 3010. I'm saying if I was long it, I'd sell it because I think the next quarter is going to be ugly. 3110, that is uh, your pre-market high. So you definitely, if you want to see continuation on the upside, you need to take out that 3110. We're a buck off it. Uh, just kind of consolidating. Let's see any daily highs here. Uh, after that, if you could clear 31, 3189 is your four-day high. 
Uh, Triple D, we kept you four minutes after. We still, uh, Spencer, do you have a few minutes to stay on? Because yeah, yeah, there's a couple more I want to get to actually. So, so Dennis, you can hop if you want. We are gonna just we missed yeah. a few well, stocks. I I, oh. I just want to look at some companies that are reporting after the close today. Uh, some candidates that could rip Roku and Dropbox. This is this is this is the tech theme. Dropbox. I'm just gonna say on Roku. If you see a dip, unless the market really sentiment changes here overnight, you know, or today, because sometimes you see the markets you get killed or something. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if the markets are holding up like they are right now at the end of the day and Roku dips 10 bucks on the on numbers for whatever reason, it probably pulls a PayPal, probably pulls a Square. When Square can rally on that report, it's telling you there's underneath the man. Roku has a huge story in time. So it is the kind of stock that I would buy on a dip. Not long-term invest portfolio, but as a trade. If Roku dips on the numbers, I would probably be nibbling on that. All right, let's do, Spencer, let's uh, just follow up on Beyond Meat from yesterday. Let's do uh, Moderna and Trade Desk, and then we'll call it a day. Do you get you got time to All do right. those? Yeah, Beyond Meat. Oh, boy. Okay. Let's pull this chart up here. Wow. Wow. Is it getting follow through? Uh, no. It's. Um, this is what I, this is how I'd play this one. If if I was if I was long it and I sat through it all day yesterday, and I didn't exit, I'd be keeping an eye on that close in the high. One twenty six twenty one was the close. It's a lot hasn't closed that in some while. One twenty six fifty, that's the high from yesterday. Uh, not oh, you got another high at one twenty six ten. So there's some resistance budding up there. Uh, after that, one twenty stuck to one twenty nine. So, I think if I had a big position and I was looking for follow through, I would see what would you know. I would see if I could get some off up near yesterday's high, and then I just kind of nibble out going up to that one twenty nine high. Because when it got up to that one twenty nine high last time, it 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 turned around very quickly. I'm not sure if it was news or a downgrade. Uh, where to buy this thing on a pullback? You guys are going to have to use your own charts on that one. I uh, I could not tell you where. I just tell you you just bounced off our one twenty one ten. You got a little bit of a rebound. You wanted to do uh, Moderna also? Yeah, you got to talk about the hot stock. Yeah, they had earnings after close. I don't know how much their earnings really matter, but they also in their report gave an update on their uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, uh, drug and the the phase three study of that is expected to start in the summer sometime in the early summer here so okay. uh, that is it, it's for their for the coronavirus the coronavirus vaccine mRNA uh, one two seven three is the drug uh, and they're they're going to start their phase three trial here for the vaccine soon excellent uh, on your uh, your fifteen minute chart looks like someone wants to work out around fifty nine you're at fifty seven. Uh, two two brackets, 15-minute highs, 58.81 and 58.85. There's a potential target. They came off pretty hard off those levels, but working back up to that. So there's uh, there's some potential resistance in Moderna. I guess they're getting 600 people that are uh, do not have the disease and giving them a vaccine. And let's hope that uh, none of them get it. That would be uh, that'd be great news for everybody. What was the last one you wanted to check out? Someone said the trade desk, TTD. I don't know if they're out. Let's see what they're doing. Okay. Uh, they're they probably out. They had good earnings. They're weren't beating. On, they weren't on my list here. No. Uh, I, don't see, I don't see anything from the trade desk. Okay. Uh, it's just creeping up here, up 776. Uh, let me see what kind of volume here is. Uh, 
if what they're taking it up on here. Uh, they're taking it up on not a lot of stock here. I'd only I'd say maybe five thousand shares have traded since seven thirty, but it is what it is. It's trading up at three twenty. 320.97 is your pre-market high, so keep it on that as a resistance, potential resistance point. Former all-time high, 323.78, or that, that, that's, that's still the all-time high. 323.78, yeah. if you're looking for another target in the trade desk. Yeah, trade desk is after the close today, so I'll just read off a couple of the uh, stocks we're going to get after the close. We, sure. already, mentioned, we already mentioned a couple. Uh, I mentioned Uber, uh, the trade desk, uh, Dropbox, Roku, uh, we're also going to get – let me find my list here. There we go. Um, what, what jumps out? Zillow jumps out to me. Live Nation. Oh, that's going to be a disaster. Live Nation is going to be really bad. But, but once again, Spencer, I mean, you know, when did things go in? You know, some of the – you know, the last two quarter. I know we were supposed to go to a country music concert. I can't remember when it was. I think it was in maybe mid-March or something that got canceled. So – yeah, but like you would think they would be able to give guidance because they know. Like you would think they would know if their if their shows are canceled, right? If their upcoming shows are canceled for 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 April, for May, for June. I mean, I think they would know that. So I don't know. I feel like this is going to be a really bad report. Uh, GoPro is also okay. reporting after the close. I don't know how much we care about GoPro. BJ's uh, will probably follow Costco's lead there. Uh, Yelp reporting. So a number of big names uh, after the close today. All right. We went about 10 minutes long, wow. but that's okay. Uh, I want to thank everyone who participated in our chats, all three of them now, both on YouTube <laughs> and on premarket.benzinga.com. And of course on Benzinga Pro. Thanks to our guest, Frank Holmes. You can catch a replay of this show on our YouTube channel or catch the podcast on whatever podcast platform you prefer, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or Tune in. Please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Joel and I will be back with you at 3.40 p.m. Eastern time. In the meantime, everyone have a great rest of your day and be safe wherever you are. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.